BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, Pretty Mike with BeastNet here. And on this episode I got with me again, Ryan Berger. So Ryan, how you doing? Not too bad, feeling a lot better than last time and definitely moving a lot better than last time. That is good. That is definitely good. So let everyone know again real quick. I mean, we won't go into as gruesome details we did when we talked the last time. Just a quick quick rundown of what you mean by moving better and, you know, everything, the the, the, the fun injury, as we'll call it. Yeah. So Fun, fun. I love that term. Okay, so quick and dirty <laughs> version. Uh, last July, I was doing a trail race in Canada and was about halfway through my second leg of the race when I had a pretty devastating injury to my knee that took me out of the race and then after basically injuring it trying to get back to the location for medical to get me out I proceeded to injure it more that injury put me on the shelf from July until I was able to start rehab again once the knee was healed up enough in late November and I am about three weeks away from a full release for full rehab and I am not cleared to race again until next July. Wow. So like next July, you mean this July coming up? Yeah. July you 2020. Mean, like, okay. That's the Yeah. I was hoping because I mean, yeah, by next July, I'm like, I hope he doesn't need 2021. That's, that's a long recovery, but you know, no, we're not so getting July together. 2020, <laughs> thankfully. So, and, and I mean, yeah, it'll be, I, that, that's go gotta ahead. be brutal. I mean, I've, you know, I've been dealing with my foot injury for a while, trying to come back from that. But I know the knee injury, you know, knees can be so bad. Um, some people may or may not know that when I was 21, I was a truck driver. And that's why how I became an office person was my knee bent 90 degrees the wrong direction. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I can I can understand the knee issues. Yeah. So it took two and a half or almost two years before a doctor said I could go back to driving a truck. And by the time the doctor said, you can drive a truck again, I'm like, I'm a the lead dispatcher for the company. I don't think I'm ever going to see a truck again. So, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. No, twenty seven years later, I kind of like being a dispatcher. Yeah, I say twenty twenty years later, I, I still have my TDL and I still have not driven a truck like for work since that day. So, yeah, but ooh, so yeah, knee injuries they they, they hold a special place because they never really really go away. So yeah. no, and I I still. Like I'm, I'm rehabbing anywhere from depending on how the knee feels, anywhere from two to five days a week, depending on what I'm doing. Lifting weights, yeah, I get two days a week and then I'm out. Run, I can do three, maybe four days a week. A mix of run and the recumbent bike on like a almost like a steady heart rate workout. I can do five, but that that last day I'm paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, and the thing is, too, is I talk about, you know, my knee injury, and I mean, that was, I was 20, 21 years old. I Uh couldn't imagine what it'd be like now. I mean, I, uh, in my 40s and trying to come back from that, I think it'd be six years before I could go back to driving a truck. I just, I feel like as I get older, it takes longer and longer. I can vouch for what what a bad day looks like with me. Yeah, because like I said, a knee injury and stuff like that, any injury really, you never fully come back from so, I mean, you heal, no. but you don't fully come back. So it's it's a matter of learning how to how to do things 
differently because that injury makes it so that joint or, you know, that muscle never quite works the right way again. So mm-hmm. it's learning how to do things differently in, in a new way. So, so how is that coming along? Like you said, you're almost, you, you'll be able to race again in July. How are yep. learning those new ways with that, that knee? Okay. The, the big thing is since it was a tendon injury, we're really on the tendons time timeline because there's yeah. no blood flow. You can't really cheat the healing process. So what we do is a lot of it's based off my pain level in the morning and if I can walk correctly or not. And my wife, let's face it, anybody that races, anybody that competes in the stuff we do, be it OCR or all the hiking and stuff we do with some of the other things I do, we're not going to admit that it hurts as bad as it does. Yeah. So I've I've really come come to depend on, my wife will call my BS, hands down. That's what they're for, isn't it? And if she sees me, yep, yep. If (laughs) she sees me limping, I will listen, mostly because I'm more scared of her than I am of my physiotherapist. Yeah. (laughs) That's the way it should be. But she's not pretty good. Yeah, she can tell if I'm hiding it from myself because I – I've got a habit of hiding it from myself. I won't even really notice it just mentally. So if I'm limping or if something's not right, she'll usually see it in the morning and she'll just, hey, you might want to back it down today or you might not want to go in at all because something's not right. And a lot of it is I had to leave that knee alone for so long that most of that leg atrophied. And, And it's pretty obvious, especially when I started running again, because there was no balance between the two legs. So it's yeah. been easy runs, three, four miles max, pretty easy speed just to get my leg used to working again. But where my physio loads me up is fairly heavy, not like screaming heavy, but fairly heavy on leg presses, squats, deadlifts, anything and everything that will fire the lower lower half of my body. She's loaded me up pretty heavy on those on those exercises. That's good. Yeah, see, for me, I know that was the one thing when I hurt my foot was, you know, when they finally let me, like, take off the boot and walk without, you know, the boot and all that stuff, it was what really hit me was the difference in my calves. Because yeah. before my foot was broke, you know, I, you know, I was said I had pretty good calves, pretty nice calves. When after that boot came off, my left calf was half the size of my right. Yep. And I'm like, this just doesn't look right. And the big giant tattoo my that calves, covers my entire calf looked weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my calves weren't as bad because I was still able to use the lower leg, but my quads and my hamstrings, my upper oh, yeah. leg was almost almost smaller than my calf. Oh. And I was just, it was just it. like looking at it going, whoa. And I was only stabilized for what? July, August. Okay, so maybe not what, but it was July, August. September, October, and the first two weeks of November. So four and a half months. Yep. And in that four and a half months, the quad and the um, hamstring with not being used at all, except to basically swing my foot like a pirate, just basically disappeared. Yeah. And that's that's scary. That's what will happen. Like I said, I mean, it was eight weeks that my foot was in a cat mm-hmm. or in the, the boot. You know, and people don't think about it. When your foot's in that boot, your upper leg still kind of gets some work because you're holding, you know, your that boot and your lower leg while you're crutching. So you still get a little yeah. bit, 
like your ca- your calf gets nothing because that boot's just holding your ankle in place, everything in place. So once that I got it off, yeah. they said, okay, you can walk normally. My ankle didn't work right because it had been, you know, stuck in one position for eight weeks. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, you know, so I had to get that, those tendons and stuff moving again, you know, and stretching out and then trying to get my calf to come back and get some, some def- definition back into my calf was just, you know, anything trying oh, yeah. to get some size back. So yeah, I can only imagine, you yeah, know, you, having that. Yeah. I so, was, I'll be honest. It's, they're not even yet, but I'll be honest. It came back a lot faster than I thought. But a lot of yeah. that's because she's got me, the, the biggest thing she's got me doing are um, standing leg curls, mm-hmm. weighted mm-hmm. lunges, and then instead of using both legs on the um, reclining sled, she only lets me use, I, can, I only use the right leg, which is the one that was hurt. And yeah. that beast is a hell of a, hell of a workout on the quads. I'd forgotten just how evil that thing was. It's good. You need that. Well, oh, I yeah. think that's the hardest part, too, is getting used to using those legs again. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I know for me, the longest, my biggest fear for a long time after I blew my knee was I was, I mean, even after my doctor said after two years, I could go back to driving a truck, I still had to wear a brace for another, yeah. what, I think it was almost another three years before the doctor said I could run, I could, like, go through life without having a brace on my leg, on my knee, you know, at least some kind of brace. And even now, if I do any kind of sports activities, I'm supposed to brace that knee, but you know, I don't, but, (laughs) but it's one of those things that, you know, that was my biggest worry was I always felt like they told you pretty much that now that you've done this once, it's going to be easier to do it again. So then you start taking it easier, you know? And I mean, I was a huge tennis player, which most people are surprised about, but I did, I quit because I was worried about that quick movement that my knee wasn't going to hold. So I quit tennis. I quit snowboarding. I mean, I have a snowboard in my basement that's 20 years old that brand new, or was 20 years ago, freshly waxed and sharpened and never used it because I blew my knee and I was afraid I was going to do it again. So it's, it's a mental thing too. I mean, have you had issues with the mental side of that? I have. Yeah. Um, A lot of it is okay. I'm not out on the trails and stuff yet, but it's one of those that I'm I'm looking at it going, I'm going to be on the trails. Well, what happens if I twist the knee wrong again? What happens if I land wrong? And my physio looked at me and she goes, dude, you're 37 years old, only had one major injury, she goes, and it was tendon only. In all reality, yeah. she's, as she put it, I've got a better chance of breaking the other knee than I do actually re-injuring the tendon on my right knee. Well, that's good. I looked at her and I grinned and I went, so basically, damn the bridges and here we go. And she grins. And yeah. my, my physio that I work with is a multiple-time Western States finisher. Yeah. And so she definitely knows what she's doing. And she looked at me and she grinned and she goes, honestly, give me two years. I could qualify you for Western States. Damn. Nice. Yeah. She, she prefers nice. to how, – how did she put it? She prefers to work with tendon and ligament injuries because the tendon and the ligament will protect itself better than the knee joint actually will. Yeah. So it's like, hmm. And I mean, I've got a, I've got a friend of mine that's gearing up for a, a big run later this year and whatnot, and she told me the same thing. She's a performance ultra runner that she could. She told me flat out, tendons, ligaments, 
you might have a loose ankle or a loose knee, but it will protect itself better than the bone will. Yeah. It's just having faith, having the faith in the physio and that they know what they're doing. And see, I think that was my, my problem. I mean, for one, like I said, this was 20 years ago when I blew my knee, is having, yeah. you know, back then physical therapy pretty much for me was, you know, here's some, like, squats, do this, that, this is it. You saw them for, like, three weeks, and then you never saw them again. So, yeah. and that was kind of it. And, I mean, they kind of scared us back then, saying, you know, you got to be careful with this. You know, you don't know, it won't be fully healed for a while, but that was it. You know, and it was just, I think now, luckily, they have a lot better doctors out there, you know. And, unfortunately, my injury was an L&I injury, so they really don't help you with anything. So, yeah. <laughs> Labor and no, industry is like, cool, case, you can go back to work. Have fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. In my case, I've got one more test coming up before they'll fully clear me to do full high-impact work on the rehab and go bump it up to start pushing, okay, three days a week, push hard, do two weeks of that, mm -hmm. four days a week, push hard. And in between each transition from three days to four days to five days, I've got – Two tests, and anybody that's uh, even remotely been around the Beasts or any of the Canadian teams is going to recognize both of them. The beep test, and I get to do Sally. Ooh, Sally. Gotta love Sally. Yeah. Sally's a bitch. Yeah. Yes, she is. She is. And that is one of my tests, is a Sally Burpees test along with the beep test. Nice. Not really. Hmm. Not the word I'd use. <laughs> So I, I actually flat out asked my physiotherapist if she knew Cookie. Cookie's a special guy. We love Cookie. But... We love Cookie, but him and Sally are not my friends. No, but he'll give you some really cool soap. <laughs> I'm He's actually ordering pod. some really cool soap from him. Got some good soap, and the money goes to a good cause. So Yes, it does. Now we ordered, I've, got, uh, I've got patches from him, and then we're ordering soap. I just wish I was able to go up to that uh, Sajita Endurance Series he's doing in Canada with Ryan Koch. Oh, that's I, I've talked to Ryan about that. We've had him on the, the show, and that, that does sound amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I was listening to that. So I wish he, I could go. He's been, he's been messaging me, Klein, you know you want to do it. You know you want to do it. You know you want to do it. And I'm like, dude, I'm not even cleared to race yet. Yeah. But, yes, I want to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and my wife's sitting next to me going, and no, you're not going up there. Yeah, you're not going up there. And yeah, I think that's why some guys like us get married is we have to have some, like, sense of, like, common sense in our lives. Because for me, I'm, that's been my biggest problem a lot of times is I, it took me until my 40s to start realizing when I needed to step back. You know, in some cases, I think after my foot injury, I may have stepped back too far. But at the same time, you know, if I signed up for a race, I'm like, I'm going to do it. And it's like, you're tore up, you're broken. What are you doing? And I'm like, well, I signed up. I got to do it. You know, and now I'm a little bit older and I'm like, maybe I should sit back and relax. You know, take it You know how hard it has so, been in that yeah. vein. You know how hard it has been to not click the buy button for the Spartan Ultra in Big Fork this year. Oh, yeah. I am doing that one, but it's like, it's, it's like come on. Yeah. Why couldn't they have a, ah, it's in me. Damn it. Yeah. Nope. Trust me. Cause I, I missed Montana for the very first time in five years last year it was the first time yeah, I missed it in years. Yeah, because I talked to John there, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you. 
Yeah, and I missed it because of uh, I had to have surgery the day before. Like mm. literally, like you know, I had to have a hernia surgery, and I was going to do because I'd had that was my second year in a row having hernia surgery. So, and I was going to do it like I did the year before, where I went and did Montana, and then literally like the weekend, the week after I got back from Montana, I had surgery the year before. And then okay. this time, my doctor's like, "No, you're not going to go do something that's going to possibly make it worse." and then have the surgery. You're going to have the surgery first and you're gonna miss the race. And I'm like, but, and the doctor's like, no, this is what's happening. <laughs> well, that's like, we got started on the beast last year. We got rolling on the beast. And I knew one of my Canadian friends was going out in the open waves behind me. So it's like, all right, I'll finish up. I'll hang out at the finish line, wait for him to cross, hang out with them for a while. There was a bunch of the Canadians, of course, running some of the, the Van City team, of course, from BC. And then some of the Hurt yep. Albertans always come down. Well, I get through, and it wasn't a bad run for me. It wasn't my best, but it wasn't a bad run. I really liked that course last year. And I get back over to the beer tent, and here sits my buddy Ryan. And I'm going, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? Well, they started, I don't know, did anyone tell you where they started uh, Spartan last year? No. Okay, so last year was the same as actually the prior two years where we come out of the starting gate up the right hill. up the hill, straight up the hill and right back down to the um, bog. Mm -hmm. So Ryan had made it all the way up the hill, was coming down the hill, stepped into the bog, and heard something go snap, snap, crack. Uh. He literally set the record for the fastest loop, and this was the running joke for quite a while that weekend, the fastest person to come off the beast course, nine minutes. Jeez. He got back to Canada. Yeah. They... Iced it, wrapped it, and got him home, and he had cracked he cracked two bones in the foot, ripped all the ligaments off the ankle, and I think he tore the tendon. Um, I think he tore his Achilles, if I remember right. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds bad. It was bad, and he actually, I think, technically is supposed to be cleared to race like a week before Big Fork. Guess where he's going? Nice. Big Fork? Uh-huh. See, he will be racing Montana, Montana has again. He wants revenge on that course. Oh, yeah. I want revenge on that course every year. Montana and me have a special relationship. So that was my first my first ever Spartan because, like we've said in the podcast before, I don't do research. But my first no, ever Spartan like was me. the Mon yeah, it was the Montana Beast, the Founders Montana Beast in 2015. Yep. was the first Spartan I ever did. And that was eight-plus hours of hell that I said I would never do That's again. So now I've done it four times and doing it again this year. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm but. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to make an actual Spartan this year. I'm kind of waiting to see what the late season looks like. Um, right now, it looks like the big the big one's going to be. I'm going to do kind of a rollover. Um, I may look at using if they do it again, Big Fork 21. If they do the Ultra, I'll probably use that as a final tune up. But it looks like in June of 21, me, my wife, and a few other fools are going to fly out to Iceland for a 100K at the same location that Spartan held the Ultras the first year when we went out there. Ooh, that sounds interesting. So instead of, 20, instead of 20 Ooh. hours of darkness and freezing temperatures, we get 23 hours of light and nice temperatures. Nice. Yeah, no. So there, there, there's a, a few of my fellow crazies that uh, raced that one in uh, 18 when we went out there. There's, I've got at least four of us that were on site in Iceland 
in 18 that are headed back out to run that 100K. Because all of us have an axe to grind with that original course. Oh, that sounds crazy. Oh, it's going to be a blast. That was going to be my... Oh, I was going to say, my, my next question was going to be, what are your plans now? You know, you said that you're going to, you're still going through the physio and all that stuff. You're going to be cleared hopefully in July. What are your yep. plans? What are your plans after right you're Right now, cleared? I'm looking at if we can get everything worked out. I got to check scheduling, but right now, one of the ones, if the scheduling falls right, I want to come back out to Seattle for the late season Seattle races. Um, yep. I'm waiting, waiting to see what happens with, and I know there's a lot of us doing this, what happens with the Seattle um, Black Diamond, whatever you want to call it, Tough Mudder, if that comes back with all of that oh, going I hope on. So. And then I from hope there, so. it, I do too, especially with everything else going on. I've been to that one once. I had an absolute blast with, of course, our favorite uh, British Columbians, Charity and Ryan, and Troy. Oh, I love Charity and Ryan. Oh, they're so kids. cool, and their podcast, their Beast, their Beast International podcast is so much fun to listen to. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good addition. So. And then um, after that, I'm going to kind of wait and see. Like I said, right now, as long as we can get everything figured out, um, I really don't know if I have an A race for this year. It's more just seeing how the leg holds up and make sure I'm not pussyfooting it around too much and actually using it the way I should be. Yeah. And then 2021, like I say, we're probably going to look at um, Montana Ultra if they hold it again. I'll probably go back to the Ultra. Otherwise, I might double lap the Beast. It depends on how that plays out. And then June, we'll head for Iceland and possibly, if my wife says yes, head back out to Mount St. Helens for another uh, shot at the uh, Volcanic 50. Nice. So a little bit long-term. This year's more just backfilling and making sure everything's right and then 21 we'll get back after it again oh yeah it's like we were saying earlier i mean one of the big things after an injury like that you know and a lot of people are like oh you just got to get your knee back into shape it's like no it's not just your knee you got to get all the other muscles around it back to where they should be and it's like you know me with running now after my foot it's people you know my foot will hurt after racing a little bit but the one part that most people don't realize hurts a lot is my hip yeah. And everyone's like, well, why your hip? It's like, because my foot doesn't move the same way it used to. So my hip isn't used to in those muscles, trying to get those muscles in my hip joint to get used to the new way my foot moves. So it's like your whole body after an injury changes. And that's kind of it. Is, oh, you know, you know bio, you're going to need to lie. Yeah. Anything that screws with the way you walk, your biomechanics are going to be thrown off. Then you have to learn a whole new freaking pattern. Yep, Exactly. So it's one of those that, okay, how's it going to, oh, this doesn't work right. Well, we need to work around this. Well, shit, now it's screwing with my other leg. Oh, screw it. Cut my yeah. legs off and I'll run with bionic blades. Yep. Well, with the new Blade Runners. I've thought about it. There you go. <laughs> I'm down. I volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's true. I mean, it's one of those things. I think that's been one of the hardest things for me is trying to, for me, is I let myself make too many I let myself go too easy on myself after my injury and now I'm paying for it. Cause I still have the issues with the injury, but now I have an extra 70 pounds on top of that. So uh -huh. now it's a matter of coming back from that and it's made things slightly difficult and I've just got to try and, you know, pull my head out of my butt and do it. But 
a matter of doing that. So, yeah. Well, and you know, I'm kind of in the same you... boat. I put, normally my body's real comfortable race, racing at right around 190 to 200, which is where I normally race at. And yeah. with being sidelined so long, I mean, yeah, I was able to do upper body stuff and I was moving around at work and stuff, but I still put 25 pounds on and I can feel yeah. it. Yeah, and that's tough. And it really is. And I mean, it's, you don't realize how much those 20, you know, people are like, oh, 25 pounds, 25 pounds is nothing. No, you don't realize how much that changes everything on your body, you know, because you got the injury and everything else. So you're trying to learn how to work, move differently because of that. But now all of a sudden you're, you're fighting another 25 pounds. That makes things even harder to move. So it's, it, it's a, it's a snowball effect and it takes a real good mental fortitude to push yourself through it. So. Or a slightly large masochistic streak, whichever one you want, you like. Yeah, you know, whichever one works for you. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, yeah, this year is more, I mean, trying to figure out, like I said, hopefully maybe they bring back that the Black Diamond uh, Mutter. That would be cool as hell. I'd love to be able to do Ghosts, but that ain't happening this year. Yeah. There's no way yeah. physically that leg will be, be able to handle ghost. No, not this early. Ghost isn't, you know, that's only in a couple months. So, you know. Uh-huh. Do you like the BeastNet? Do you want to keep hearing it? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at BeastNetPod. But yeah, the, the stuff mutter, I'm hoping, because I made the mistake of, you know, a lot of people who listen to podcasts know I never wanted to do a tough mutter because I don't like yeah. electric shock, like at all. So I never wanted to do one. And after listening to our, our good buddies, Charity, and I hadn't met Ryan yet, but at that point it was just really Charity, you know, pushing me. And I'm like, fine, fine, I'll do one. So I decided to finally do it. And I regret that it took me this long to finally do it. Because it's like I found the race that I should have been doing the whole time. You know, nothing against Spartan, but I feel like, you know, the race I should have been doing the whole time was Tough Mudder. And now they're, you know, who knows what's going to happen with them. So I only got to do them the one time, you know, which I'm glad I finally got yeah. to do it the one time, but you know, I, I yeah, really hope the, they stick the around. Last time, I, oh, that was fun. The last time I did it was, that was Washington. I was that night. That wasn't 19. No, that wasn't last year. That was 18. So black diamond in 18. Um, and that was, I think the last time that they also did the, Cash prize wave for the uh, tougher, what tough, tough tutter, so tougher the the ten mile yeah, version. Yeah, tougher I think. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Charity goes well. Come on down, you'll have a great time. She goes, you're fast enough. Enter up in in Allison's wave. I'm like, okay. First off, <laughs> I know how fast Allison is, so this could be entertaining. What I didn't realize <laughs> was that this was the World Championships event. So no, there's a but a bunch of us standing in the corral looking at Ryan Atkins, Lindsey Webster, Allie, Ryan Woods. We're all going, huh, wonder if they're going to laugh me before the end of the race. Because <laughs> that Black Diamond course is such a cool course. I have to admit, that is probably, oh. and I've ran Montana, I've ran Sun Peaks, the Iceland course. Okay, granted, the Iceland course you kind of have to throw out because that was such a surreal event. But for yeah. a multiple lap event in the U.S. and Canada, that Black Diamond course is probably the most fun course I've ever run. And by the end of that weekend, yeah. I had done 
I did two fulls the first day, and then I did a full and a half the second day before we had to leave because we were having so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the, the day we did it. It was so much fun. We just had fun. And it was, it's been a long time since I was on a real, like a big race like that where it was just fun. Yeah, exactly. You know? And look, like we said on the last podcast, I'm kind of like you. The first race I ever did was a Spartan Beast. Instead of the Founders Race in 16, I did the F Norm course in 17 for my first year. Yeah. And I've never sworn more at a course designer. Even the DNF in Sun Peaks with Johnny White, which to this day is still the most challenging Spartan I've ever done. Not, once again, not counting Iceland. I still swore more at Norm Koch at that 17 Spartan Beast than I have ever sworn in a race in my life. Because <laughs> that man is flat out devious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what I, you know, and I'll be honest. That was one of the things I loved about the earlier Spartans, you know, in 15 and 16, even 17, was they were a lot more devious. they become more, you know, and I hate to say this, but more cookie cutter now. Where it's they pretty really much have. And like, I, I don't necessarily yeah. mean it in a bad way, but I don't mean it in a good way either. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and that's kind of it. It's just, it's just fact, really. It's not good or bad in either way. I mean, you could look at it good or bad either way, but they have become more cookie cutter. I mean, I remember that first 2015 course, there was multiple log carries. There was one yep. log carry where we actually walked through a swamp that was like chest high while we we're doing the log carry, you know, and it was a lot more using nature and just what was there, you know, rather yeah. than these big elaborate, you know, obstacles. And I almost enjoyed that more. So I yeah. have to agree because, like, that first one I did was 17. That was Norm. Um, the one that sticks out to me a, a lot from that 17 course because we ran it the opposite way we've ran everything else. Yeah. Everything else we've ran has been counterclockwise basically to that course. 17 we ran clockwise because that was Mountain Series that year. Yep. And the one obstacle that sticks out to me was we came through, and anybody that's ran the Montana Beast knows exactly what I'm talking about, where you come through the pond that, ever, that everybody calls Ball Shrinker. Yep, the Ball In Shrinker. In 17, we came, we came out of there, made that little sharp left-hand turn, and all of a sudden we were on that slack net cargo net that we had to get over that they had hanging off those stupid springs. So every time you tried to yep. go over the yep. cargo net, you either got launched forward or backward, and you knew, never knew which way you were going. Yep. And it's like, yeah. okay, I, I want to go back to that. Like, I understand the vertical cargo and putting the Irish table on there to make it a little bit harder for the high-end elites and the high-end AG competitors. But with my knee now, there's no way I can do an, an Irish table. So I'm going to run up to that vertical cargo, take one look at that Irish table, and go, nope, it's burpee time on a freaking cargo net. Yeah. It's like, Well, that's kind of my problem. On. I'm five foot seven. I, I don't do, and kind of a bigger guy. So, yeah, that, that table makes it interesting for me. But there's a few of them that, that I, I, I missed. When I did it yeah, in like 19, which was the, the first yeah. year they ran that Irish table on it, I had hell with the table. I got up there, but I ended up, I ended up doing a, a traditional Irish table Hang underneath, use your feet to pull yourself up, and swing on. Okay, 
it worked. I'm only 5'9", and that table was at about 5'10". It was taller than me. But with my knee the way it is now, I put my knee on that table, I'm going down, plain and simple. Yeah. I understand the theory behind it. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's a few things like that that I've noticed that, you know, it's a lot. Like I said, they seem a lot more cookie cutter, I guess, is the only way I can put it. I mean, it just, you know, I, I really miss the the idea of just, you know, like the, the Montanas, the 15s and 16s and 17s, where there was just crazy, you know, log carries and stuff like that, where it seems like they just found something that was there in nature and said, okay, this is now going to be an obstacle, you know, so... And I think yeah. even though it was moved, even though it was moved last year over to Calgary Olympic, I think that's a lot of why anybody that asks me or anybody that asks Ted or anyone else that's gone up to run it really recommends the the X Warrior races is they do use a lot of stuff that's just right there. Yeah. Granted, it's a little trickier on on Calgary Olympic because you you've got you're in the middle of the city, but. I mean, some of the trails that we ran, and Ted will vouch for this when he hears this. I'm pretty sure he'll shake his head yes. Um, that <laughs> X-Goat, X-Goat was one that everybody swore at, but I'll be damned if they didn't figure out a way to turn the natural terrain into probably the biggest enemy we had on that whole course. Oh, yeah. And that's awesome when they can do that. And I've heard nothing but good thing about x Four, and that's one that I, I really want to get up and get to. And there's a lot of the local ones, and it's like I've told a lot of people, I think this is going to be, possibly my last year really pushing on some of the bigger, you know, getting some of these bigger races that I do every year done. And I think next year I'm going to more focus on the locals, just doing the local races, you know, and maybe throwing a few others in. One I'm looking at, and I don't remember when in the year it was last year, is the one up in OMAC. Oh, OMAC Stampede? Oh, that one looks good. The Warrior Stampede, yeah. Yep. And I got to look and see when that one is, too because I definitely want to get up there there. Claire Painter is the one who puts that one on. And Claire is, she's funny. She's a great person. We did a, a, a recording with her on that. We will be pushing that one again. So I definitely want to do the OMAC Stampede. And uh, yeah, there's that one. There's Renegade down in Tri-Cities. You know, you got the Run Amok out here in Port Angeles. There's a bunch of really yep. good local races around here that, you know, I'd really love to see thrive because, you know. Oh, yeah. Other than that. We only get, you know, if Tough Mudder doesn't come back, we get Spartan twice a year, and that's it. Yep. We don't get Rugged Maniac up here anymore. We get Terrain Race a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we don't get Rugged Maniac doesn't come up to Seattle anymore. Um, now, a few of the others don't. You know, you just seeing more and more going away. And I just saw a thing for Gladiator, Rock and Run, they're throwing one last hurrah in freaking Arizona, I think, in July yeah, or something I like that. And that then they're too. gone. So, I mean, it's like that's another one in Gladiator. You know, a lot of people, the very first actual real OCR that I did was in 2010 or 2011 was the Gladiator here in, you know, the Seattle area. And, you yeah. know, to see that one be, you know, the next one that's, you know, looks like it's going going bye-bye along with, you know, Tough Mudder and all the others that have, you know, I mean, like we, we don't know completely on Tough Mudder yet, but some of the others, you know, it's sad to see, you know, to see another one going away, so. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I'm like, I'm friends with some of the crew from the from back east, mid east area, crazy mutter muckers, um, stuff like that. And they've still got some, but even like something like for a perfect example, and it's one that a lot of people know is uh, Black Swamp Dash. 
that one, they're cutting out at least one of their races next year. So they're down to, I think, two. I'm really hoping that a lot of these smaller regional races, like, I know know this one's going to be a sore spot, but Green Beret Challenge, for one, with OCR Worlds coming back to Stratton Mountain next year, or this year, maybe, just maybe, we can get a little bit more interest back in the regional races so that we've got more than, don't get me wrong, Spartan was my first OCR ever. Spartan was a lot of fun. But you bring in, you take a look at some of the mad geniuses, and not just in the U.S. scene, but in the Canadian scene. Marco Bedard and Northman Ray. Go to go to the UK. You've got nuclear. You've got nuclear is the big one that jumps out at me just because it's been going for so long. But you've got nuclear. You've got Marmoon uh, Sandstorm in Dubai. I worked with the owner of Marmoon in uh, eighteen when I went to OCR Worlds in Blue Mountain, Ontario. You've got Hubie Koshman with Indian Mud Run. You've got Troy and Sandy Anthony with Black Swamp. There are so many good little regional races that. Everybody needs to give them a chance. Yeah. I mean, because if you don't, they're going to be gone. And then all we're going to be stuck with, and like you said, I don't, nothing against Spartan, but Spartan's here twice a year in Seattle, you know, and I don't know how much longer I can keep traveling like I have been. So, I mean, I really want to see these, these locals make it. And, you know, I'd like to see some of the other ones come into the Pacific Northwest. And I think if we can make these locals thrive, then we might be able to bring some of these others. You know, you mentioned Green Beret Challenge. And, I mean, I, I have nothing against Mark Ballas on that one. I mean, he made a, a financial decision that he tried to come up here. He didn't get enough people signed up. I mean, not enough. There wasn't enough interest, and people weren't signing up. And I think it's one of the biggest problems with the Northwest. We had the same thing with Gladiator last year, I think it was, or two years ago. Gladiator tried to come back to Seattle, and they could not get the, the people to sign up. And that's, I think, where, you know, we keep running into problems here is we're not getting – you know, we have these big teams like Beast. When Green Beret tried coming up, they couldn't get enough people. And it's like, you know, it doesn't help to have a huge team like the Beast or anyone else that, you know, if we can't fill up these these teams, these signups to get, you know, these races here. Because it's like bone frog. And you've got all these other great ones on the East Coast that I keep hearing so much cool stuff about. Well, I have to go to the East Coast to see them, you know, or yeah, to try exactly. and race them. And it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much travel. It's almost like we're in a black hole. And I don't, I understand that with Mark because I had talked to Mark after that happened and I had talked to Ted after that happened. I knew we didn't have the numbers and it sucked yep. because it did. Mark is hands down after working with Mark at OCR Worlds. I understand the money side of things. I don't hold it against him. To me, one of Mark's courses is a Norm Koch course with a little more sadistic fun thrown in for, for flavor. Yeah. And it's like, I really don't want to miss it. I had to shrug. I had to miss the one that I was able to, um, I was originally scheduled for because we couldn't get flights put together. So I ended up giving that to a, a friend of mine from Team Valhalla from uh, Oklahoma. But I really want to run one of, our, when what I want to do is I want to do one of Ballas's Team Commando events. Yep. And I think that's the what the one up here originally was. But that team event just looks amazing. Yeah, and that, that's originally what that was supposed to be with this one, but we couldn't get enough signed up. Because I know Beast now, yep. we had a group of four. We had a team signed up. 
but I think be, there, there wasn't many others, you know, and they just could not get the support. And I think part of it too, and I've heard it from other people um, and other race directors for other types of races, even that Seattle is horrible for the, the Seattle area in general is ho- horrible about not signing up for a race to like the last minute. Yeah, that's just it. And, and Ted and I had talked about that at, uh, ex-warrior in uh, Calgary because I was going to partner up with him on a team for that and he and he was already as of ex-warrior Leary because it wasn't looking like we had enough enough teams and people signed up yeah which is always tough I mean it happens but you know it's like I said I mean we're not going to be able to get any of these other races like you know any of those to come up here you know unless we can you know get those kind of numbers to, to fill the race which always amazes me because I know Tough Mudder and Spartan both, like, they pack them, you know. But Yeah, exactly. It, and I think part of it is, too, is I don't think anybody, another problem they have is finding the dates because nobody wants to come up here and do a race anytime after September or before April. So you have a limited time on when you want to do races, I think, in Seattle because Spartan has shown if you go too early in April, you know, you have – half the people will be getting pulled off because of hypothermia, you know. <laughs> and if you go into October, because the very first Seattle race was actually a super in October in 2015. And that's when the salmon were running. And so when you ran by the river, there was a bunch of dead fish. And uh-huh. it smelled disgusting. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, so, no, it was bad. The very first, and that's, that's actually how I got my trifecta the first year I did. Uh, Montana... And then right after Montana, they announced Seattle. So I'm like, oh, well, I can do Washougal, which at that time was called the Pacific Northwest Sprint, not Portland. And then I could do the Seattle, the brand new Seattle Super. And yeah, but yeah, they did in October and there was dead fish everywhere because the salmon were running. So it's just like, really, nobody wants to go any earlier than, you know, September or, or any earlier than April, any later than September. So it's a narrow window of weekends to try and cram races into. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really, really tight. And, I mean, it's up here, you never know what you're going to get. Because, like, we no. had an event I was at last September. The whole week had been absolutely gorgeous. I was in Cody, Wyoming. It started raining in Cody, went, got cold, got miserable, and the event we were doing got canceled. One of the guys that's at this same event calls his wife, which they live in northern Montana, and he goes, so what's the weather? She goes, you suck, and sends him a picture of the front yard between their deck and the Quonset where they keep the, the farming equipment. You can't see the yeah. Quonset and the kid's swing set that's halfway in between the Quonset and the house is under five and a half feet of snow. Yeah. And that's September. I mean, we usually think of that as a fairly decent month. Yeah. Well, and you know, that, that's, you know, last year, I think for, for the last year, the year before, for the Seattle uh, Super in April, it was like 70 degrees the week before. And then all of a sudden it was like 50 and would not stop raining for the entire weekend of the race. So you never know what you're going to get in Seattle. Like I always say, if you don't like the weather, my wife, wait, my wife it'll sitting change. here going, I grew up in that. I know what that weather's like. Yeah. It's awesome. We'll just go with that. <laughs> but I should say we're getting That's close to that hour it. mark. Yep. We're getting close to that hour mark, so we should probably start wrapping this up. Um, All right, sounds good. What would you like to say to the listeners in closing? Honestly, in closing, just to backtrack to where we started with the rehab and everything like that, 
don't argue with your physio and listen to your other half. They usually know you better than you know yourself. Yeah, they do. They do. Listen to your physio. I like that. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you. Thank you for, you know, sitting down with me and talking. This has been a blast. Um, and oh, I hope to see you. I hope to see you soon on a race course. So, ah, same here. All right, you, brother well, thank Don, you again. and everybody else in the Beasts crew. Oh, we'll be out there. So, all right, you have yourself right. a good night. All right, you too. Okay. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like and share the podcast, give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. This show is brought to you by James Safety Services. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 